felt it coming. Felt it. Austin Long felt it. And this is the Catfish and Ice Podcast, episode 56. And we switched up our schedule because when there's special players and when there's goats that are associated with your franchise, you move your schedule around. And that's what the Catfish and Ice Podcast did. And Pecorine has announced his retirement from the NHL. We found out this morning, and we're all, it's, it's still refreshing on all of us. This is Chad Mitten, your host, with Colin Bluin and Pal. How is everybody doing, and how are you guys doing tonight as we get into episode 56? Sad. <laughs> yeah, hanging in there. It's bittersweet. Sad face. Yeah. It is bittersweet. Glad for him. Really good. Yeah, sad, sad, emo- sad. sad emojis all over the place. Sad emojis, crying emojis. Yeah, you can't have enough mm-hmm. of those. Uh, what were you going to say, Rich, though? Uh, so, we're, we're, you got to switch it to we're happy, right? We're happy for the player. Yeah. As selfish yeah. fans. As selfish fans, we're sad that it's over, but you got to yeah. be happy for Pecorino, and I think that's what you were about to get into there, Rich. That is exactly right. Happy for him. He's spent time with his family. Won't be gone for long stretches of time, so it's good for him. Definitely. Definitely. Happy for Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, we were supposed to record the, uh, last night, and we found out about this major quote-unquote press conference that was coming down and we decided as a team our normal recording night is on Mondays right now during the offseason and we decided you know what we gotta we gotta wait and see what this major um, announcement's gonna be and you know we're in a group chat with all of our uh, fellow uh, Predlines writers and uh, Colin was the first to say it's probably Pecorino's retirement and uh, it all kind of set in right there when because uh, it was it was obvious at that point. And so Colin was the first to bring that up. And we decided, let's go ahead and hold off on recording our episode because uh, something like this is going to be a big deal. Teams don't just come out in the middle of an offseason and just use that terminology uh, very often. And uh, the writing was kind of on the wall there. And so yeah. this is, again, episode 56 of the Catfish and Ice podcast. We are part of the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are presented uh, by DraftKings. And we invite everyone again to go get the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code THPN. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports. And so no matter what sport you're a fan of, you can have fun on the on the uh, DraftKings Sportsbook app and just use our promo code uh, THPN. And so... Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So we uh, we uh, we thank DraftKings.com for, uh, for being our sponsor and helping us out with our podcast. And so here's what we got on, on deck for tonight's episode. We're going to talk about Pecorino's legacy. Uh, we're going to talk about the retirement, how it affects the rest of this offseason. Because we that was kind of one of the dominoes we were waiting to fall uh, this offseason. It kind of opens things up a little bit here for this uh, crazy offseason we're in store for with the Predators. 
And so that's one thing we can kind of check off and say, okay, now we know this. So we're going to talk about that. I know all three of us have a lot of thoughts on that. And then this was originally supposed to be the NHL entry draft episode. We've, we've, we've covered a lot of topics over the offseason so far. We've covered the expansion draft, which is coming very, very soon, less than two weeks away. We've covered free agency and trades and what we think the president need to do there. So there's plenty of offseason content that our listeners can go back and listen to uh, in regards to that. But we had to get to the entry draft, which is coming very close as well. So we're going to save that for the end of the episode because Pekka Rene always is going to lead our episodes when it's, when it's pertinent, when it's supposed to happen. And so that's what we're doing tonight. And so let's go with let's go with Colin first. Colin, how do you feel, man? What were your first thoughts? I know you were thinking Pecorine retirement, but what were your kind of give us some of your thoughts on uh, on just uh, how you when you saw the major press conference announcement last night, and just your thoughts on the press conference itself this morning, just everything about Pecorine. Yeah, I mean, the wording of the announcement itself was very unique because they've never done anything like that. And so it had to be something franchise-altering. I thought the only things that it could have been would be Pecorino retiring or David Poyle retiring himself. And with us being as close to the expansion draft, with us being as close to the draft itself, um, I did not foresee David Poyle doing that because I would just put the team in a really bad spot um, from a managerial standpoint and just from a front of a front office standpoint. So my, my mind instantly went, it's Pekka. It's got to be Pekka. It's either you – know, he, he's just I, – I immediately thought Pekka's retiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and the press conference today, I mean, he, he was – they kind of – he almost kind of played it as his own spoiler because he put out in Players' Tribune his letter to, to the fans, which is beautifully written, um, about an hour and a half before the press conference was scheduled to start. So we didn't, we didn't have to wait for the press conference to get confirmation of it. Um, which I think is kind of Pecorino's style. He's, he's a low-key guy, so it allowed him to go into that press conference and just go, you know, I think we know what we're here to talk about. Yeah, right. um, yeah. But, you know, it was uh, – it, it's – words don't do it justice. I mean, that the letter he wrote was beautiful. It, it mm-hmm. explained from his perspective how much the city of Nashville meant, how much being a national predator meant to him. He didn't want to play with anybody else. Put, put, put to bed those Finland rumors of him playing with his old club. He said, yeah. I want to retire a national predator. I want to be a predator for life. And that's what he was. But, I mean, not only was he a predator for life, he was the predator for life. I mean, he is this franchise through and through. When you think of national predators, you think of Pecorino more than any other player. Um, no, nothing, nothing taken away from Yormanosi or Shea Weber, any of the greats um, you know, that played before him. But, I mean, he is the national predator in terms of how well he's decorated, how well he played the game, what he meant to the community. I mean, the guy – the fact the guy is still keeping a residence in Nashville because he wants to help out and continue to work with his charities. That's amazing that he wants to raise a son in Nashville as well. That's amazing. Um, I mean, he, he just, he really embraced the city that was very foreign to him. I mean, especially from a guy coming from, you know, Finland, 2004, like Nashville is a very obscure place. And you've seen the, how much the city has grown in the 17 years, you know, since then. I mean, he's been a part of all of it and he's seen it firsthand, but he's also been a big reason why there's been excitement on Broadway um, you just can't really quantify or qualify even really what he's done and what he meant to the, the, the city, to the franchise, to national sports, to Tennessee sports as a whole. Um, there, there won't be another like him. And then that's, that's not a bad thing. You know, there, there might be someone that is close or has a different journey that's successful, but he is one of a kind, um, a pros pro great human being. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm someone that's watched the team since 19, you know, 99, really, it's it's suck it sucks to see him go, but 
I'm glad he gets to do what he wants to do on his terms and he gets to start his family. And, you know, he said that he can still play, but his priorities change. And I, I admire Very someone well said. that can have that foresight. So, yeah. Very well said. Very well said. Uh, Rich, can you top that? Because Colin pretty much laid it all that's out the, for us. That's a pecker right there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I don't know how we top any of that, but Rich, give us your thought. Give us your uh, give us your thoughts as well, man. Uh, because this is a big day for like Colin just said, not just Preds franchise history, but Nashville sports history. Like you've got Pecorine and you've got like Steve McNair when it comes to yeah. pro sports. You know, yeah. we know. You know, so give us your thoughts. So we were talking, chatting last night, and we everybody was trying to guess what it was. And I was like 95% sure this is exactly what it was going to be because what else was it going to be? Like Colin said, it's not going to be Paul retiring right now because it would no, that'd be a weird. That'd be weird. That would have been strange. That would have been really weird. But I guess what struck me, like I read his letter, like Colin said as well, that's like, I mean, I don't see how you can put it any better than what his letter said. But what I liked about it was um, – I like all the accolades he got on the ice, but it's the off the ice stuff that I really like. And like, when I think of a sports player and it's kind of like contrast with what we've seen recently from the Stanley cup champions, he's exactly the type of player that I look for. And that I want to like, not but just like keep up with, you know what I mean? Like I don't mm-hmm. worship him or anything, but he, that's he's that when I'm a, a, a professional. He, he's exactly the kind of athlete that I picture as a, a true professional. He's just, everybody says that he's the best guy in the world. And like, it's, it's sad that he's leaving across the board, I'm, across the board. That's all you hear about this guy is how classy right. he is, how nice he is just mm-hmm. as a human. Like you hear from every media member that's ever dealt with him. We had Christopher Martell on the last episode, talked about it, told a personal story about Pecorine. You mm-hmm. hear it from everyone. It just never gets lost how great of a person uh, Pecorino is. Yeah. Yeah, it's just when I started following hockey again, I was kind of on the fence about who I was going to follow, and it was it came down to, like, Nashville or, or actually Boston. And I was going to get a jersey, and I was like, I wanted a Chara jersey because, like, that dude's another, like, leader-type person. Yeah. And I was like, I think I'm going to go with Nashville, and that's the jersey I got. I got the very, the very cool first story. one I got wow. was, was the Rene. Yeah, so you chose you chose wisely. Let me tell I you did. that. I did. Yeah, and, and, and you're a member of the podcast. And you're a member of the podcast now. And if you you would uh if you hadn't made that choice, uh, yep. you'd be a co-host on Brews and Bruins, which is our fellow <laughs> podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, covering the Boston uh-huh. Bruins. But instead, uh-huh. you're on the Catfish and Ice podcast. So yeah. uh, I just remember like. Uh, when, when, like, I did start watching and stuff, I remember, like, tweeting at you and pestering you the whole time on the Predlines thing, like, oh, trying to get in. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's not even – that's not even anywhere pestering. Come on now. But – uh, But but shifting it back to Pecorino, though, yeah. I mean, we're talking about the stuff he did off the ice, which is way more important outweighs anything you can do on the ice because what you do off the ice – is what really impacts the community and what's really changes people's lives. Yeah, wins are great. Uh, Stanley Cups are great. You're you're seeing trolls out there today who are like, well, the guy hasn't won a Stanley Cup. You know what? You can go oh, kick well. rocks. We don't care yep. what you have to say about that. Like, the guy is definitely one of the best goaltenders to ever play in the NHL. Uh, when Historically, he take his, his, enti- 
he's top twenty historically, number wise. When he when he take his entire body of work, how he's carried himself in, in, in all in all facets of life. I mean, the guy is just such a good person. He's such a great ambassador for the sport. He's such a great role model. You know, like I don't have I don't have kids, but if I had a if I had a kid who was playing sports right now, I would say Pecorine is a really good role model that you need to be following. And yep. so uh, let's get into some of the stuff he did on the ice because obviously we're not going to overlook that either. I mean, 369 career wins, uh, 683 games, which is – these are all uh, numbers that are like top 30 to top mm-hmm. 20 all time. Uh, 683 career games, 17,627 saves. Put that into perspective. That's just insane to think about. Uh Career 2.43 goals against average. So over a 15-year career. That's good. Pecorine gave up less than two and a half goals per game. You know how insane that is to think about? Like that's let, – let's forget about small sample sizes here. That is a massive sample size. And for yeah. him to be down that low is incredible. 0.917 save percentage, which is also very respectable. One Vesna trophy in 2018. It was awesome to see him win the Clancy King Clancy trophy mm-hmm. this past year, which exhibits uh, off the ice charitable contributions as well as leadership qualities on the ice. Can you think of a better person to win that award? And it's so amazing that he got that on his last season. So that that's that's a positive I pulled from this. As sad as I as I've been all day is that he got that King Clancy Award this season. Uh, he was fourth in the Calder Cup or Calder Trophy race for Rookie of the Year, his rookie year. I didn't realize he was fourth. I went back and looked at that today and thought, wow, he was fourth. Mm-hmm. Who won it above him that year? It was another goaltender, Steve Mason, who actually had very similar numbers to Pecorine that season, but they gave it to Steve Mason, you know, and so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you can go on and on about Pecorine's numbers, career numbers, which speak for themselves. Yeah, he doesn't have a Stanley Cup, but you know what? He he showed so much more than what a Stanley Cup can really be, and that's all the things that Collins talk, just talked about. That's all the things Rich just talked about. And I think this is a great time for him to go out. We want to be selfish fans here because, personally – if he was coming back for another season, I think it would make the Preds a better team. But he, it, 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 if he, if he's choosing to walk away from the sport right now and 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 say, you know what, I've done enough, which he has, mind you, he's done plenty enough. Um, then, then more credit to him and more more respect to him. And so we're just being selfish fans here, wishing he would come back for another season Definitely. because he would help the Preds if he came back for another season. But his but, last game, man, what a what a great way for him to go out. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So perfect. Uh, Colin wrote an article about it and we retweeted it again today. It's like just it's it's like a, a storybook, man. Right? I mean, it's just perfect the way he went out. Thirty saves for five goals from the team ahead of him for thirty-five. I mean yeah. you can't you can't write that stuff. It's just it's nope. too poetic. The way he was sent off, the fact that the taxi squad, every one of his teammates came down to see him and push him back on the ice to say, no, man, dude, dude, this is your curtain call. You deserve it. The fact that he, he went out on a shutout. I mean, we thought, you know, Tom Brady's last pass as a Patriot was a pick six. 
you know, Pecorino, <laughs> his, his last game as a Predator was a shutout. You couldn't ask for anything better than that. So Yeah, and just yeah. like the, the fans just giving him the standing ovation for like 10 oh, yeah. minutes. And I know that we – I think we, we did a podcast that night. We were all like a little misty-eyed thinking about it and watching <laughs> it because it was like – I mean, it was just – what a way we, you yeah. know, you kind of got a, an idea that that might've been the last one, but you weren't sure, but like, this is perfect. This is perfect. We, we, we actually tweeted out a clip earlier today uh, when we were talking about going back to mid March, we were talking about, we had an episode talking about how we were speculating that this was coming. Yeah. And so go, go watch that on our, on our uh, Twitter feed. We shared that clip today and it was kind of crazy to look back on it because uh, Rene just uh, saved 38 uh, saves against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that was kind of the start of that hot streak that the Preds went mm-hmm. on. That was when Soros hadn't even come back yet to the lineup. Yep. And and we were kind of reflecting on it. And, Rich, I think you shared a lot of really good points in that clip talking about, um, you know, like there, there's bigger things in hockey, and, you know, I want him to come back. I want him to play five more years, that kind of thing. Yes. And, uh, and we were all like, Maybe one more year is on the table, but we don't know. And so uh, I want to say this, too. What a professional way for Pecorine to to go out on. Because he really did David Poyle a favor here by making this decision not about him. He, he, He made a really good decision for the organization in the sense of, okay, they've got plenty of time. To now mm-hmm. to explore the free agency market, to get Connor Ingram in. Apparently, Connor Ingram is going to be in Nashville next week to start training for the new season. And so uh, that he gave Poyle some time here to figure some things out. And so he, he didn't drag this on. Like, mm-hmm. he could have dragged this on, like, oh, I really don't know what I want to do type of thing. And that would have been understandable. No one would have blamed him. It's a massive decision for him to make for his life. But he made this decision now, and I think it's a good thing. I think it helps the Poil to figure out, okay, I don't have Pekka as my backup as much as I would love to have him back another season. Now i got to figure out what I'm going to do. So now Poil can – hopefully he was already starting to make some moves just in case, but now he's got to start thinking about uh, whether he wants to go the Connor Ingram route and or whether he's going to explore this free agency market where there where there's a lot of free agent goaltenders out there that we can look at. So um, kudos to Rene on that as well yeah. for being as professional as you could be. I mean, he's he's a teammates guy, right? Like he even Ryan Johansson showed up to his press conference today from Vancouver. So that was really cool to see because Ryan Johansson was there to greet him at the door. And apparently Becca told his teammates first before he even let the article be published. So you got to admire that about him. Um the one thing that really stood out to me was the picture of him and his son from that last game, his last game. Oh, yeah. He said how much it meant to him for him to see for his son to see him in his gear. Um, and that was kind of like the solidifying moment for him. Like that one, that one was what got me. As soon as I scrolled down mm-hmm. and I saw that picture and saw him explaining what that picture meant, that's really what broke me. Is like, man, I get it. Like I, I get it. He wants to, he's a family man now. And that's I, I totally respect that one hundred percent. Um, it's just how much he meant to, you know, he means so much to his family, but he also said the Preds are his family too. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, he meant so much to us for that, but consummate teammate, consummate professional, just a good human being. The humanitarian award barely does it justice, but you know, it's well-deserved nonetheless, but it's just, man, what, what, and what there's a so many, uh, 
there's so many good quotes that came out today's press conference. Um, uh, you know, so they, they ended up doing the press conference at 11 a.m. local time. Um, it was appointment viewing for me. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't get up at the normal time that everyone else gets up because my job, but I can tell you that I was springing out of bed to watch this press conference, like, because uh, I, I wasn't going to miss it for anything. And so I'm really uh, happy that uh, Bally Sports South uh, televised it. That was awesome. NHL Network cut into their regular scheduled programming to uh, mm. air it. So that goes to show you right there how big of a deal that Pecorini is, even on the NHL national level. And so just some quotes that I pulled from it, from the National Predators official social media account. Um, quote, unquote, I'll always be a National Predator. Um, he, he basically came out and said there were two options on the table for me. It was either retire or come back for another season for the National yeah. Predators. And we even speculated about it. Will he go play for another team to go get a Stanley Cup? And, uh, I'm, you know, we'll never know what his – what the interest would have been on the free agency market if he would have done that. We'll, we'll never really know. But I, I, I'm I, not going to go on board with no one would have been interested in him as a backup. I think there would have been plenty of teams out there who would have uh, definitely welcomed him with open arms to be their backup. So Stanley Cup even teams. A starter. Even. Yeah, even or a even starter. a starter. Yeah. I think that, you know, if he was going to go to another, th- another team – I would see the only reason I would see him doing that is to get a Stanley Cup. I wouldn't see him doing that because he wants to be a starter necessarily. I would, but you know, because Pecorino, that's not his style. I don't see him as a player who's chasing personal accolades. I don't see him as a player where it's like, oh no, I want to boost my career stats so I look even better individually. I see him as the only thing that was maybe making him think to stick around was that Stanley Cup. And so. Because uh, he's already accomplished everything he needs to accomplish as an individual, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, the Stanley Cup is a team award. They always say, oh, he doesn't have a Stanley Cup. Well, guess what? He played for the Preds, and I'm not throwing shade at the Preds, but he, you can't say, well, you can't dock him as, oh, he's not as good as people are saying he is because he never won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. I'm sorry. Stanley Cup yeah. takes a full freaking team. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't want to hear that nonsense. I don't want to hear it. But that's the only thing I could that, that's the only thing I could see him coming back for if he were gonna if he was gonna come back to another team, not the Predators, it would have been to a team that's close to a Stanley Cup. He would have played a backup role similar to what he did this past season to get that Stanley Cup, and I wouldn't have blamed him for a second for it. I wouldn't have been mad about it. I would have understood. Yeah. How do you feel about it, Rich, on that note? I think it would have been – it might have been tough for him to go to a Stanley Cup contender because most of those teams have good goaltending in place, you know. So, you you think about, like, obviously Tampa Bay's got Vasilevsky and that's really all you need from him. And, like, Boston, you know, they have Rask and their new guy, uh, Swayman. Like, I I don't know, like Colorado, who do they need? You know, do they need a backup goaltender? Probably not. It's just – I think it might have been tough to go to a contender, but – that's true. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to he, win a Stanley So maybe yeah. the only interest, maybe the only interest he would have had on the market would have been teams who are also far away from a Stanley Cup. 
So all yeah. he would have been doing is prolonging his career, which we're not we're not saying he can't play still. We know he uh, can still play. He showed us that this past season. The guy yeah. can still play. The guy can still be a starting NHL goaltender and still make those crazy highlight reel saves, get the shutouts, make things happen, win games for teams, steal games for teams that don't have any business being in that game. And so I respect the hell out of him that he's choosing to walk out on his terms on top, you know. So it's just – it's a somber moment, but at the same time, I mean, we're we're all happy for him. You know, his, his jersey will hang from the rafters. I, I suggested March 5th. I hope we have a game on March 5th, but that's like the perfect day to, to hang his jersey from yeah, the rafters. Three five, three yeah, 3-5. Yeah, 3-5, yeah. So, fingers crossed, well, friends, if you're listening. They've already, schedule a game you know, so they've already come out and said that he's going to be back for the start of the season. He plans on living oh, in Nashville. He plans on really got- living in Nashville. Um, I'm, away, I'm really hoping the Preds can somehow pull a rabbit out of the hat here and be really, really good next year and – we get Pecorine coming out of that tunnel with a rally towel on a big-time <laughs> game. That's what I need. We saw Eddie George, Titans great, do that before. We've seen uh, – I think Mike Fisher did it. Like, mm-hmm. if Pecorine came out of the tunnel waving a rally towel for a big-time Preds game, oh, my gosh, man. You want to talk can, about craziness? He can do that for so, every game. Oh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, he can too. So, yeah, Pecorine – Pecorine, we love you. We moved our episode to Tuesday night just for you, and you deserve it. We'll move our episode to whenever you want. Just call us. Just call us, and we yep. will move our ep- we'll move our episode to six a.m. on a Saturday morning if that's what you want. We'll do and whatever you need us to do. And then can you uh, sign our jerseys? Sign and then jerseys. yeah, definitely yeah. Sign everything I own. Sign my toaster <laughs> oven. Sign yeah. my fridge. Sign every piece of equipment <laughs> I own, and yep. then uh, I'll be set for life after that. But, um, but, yeah, so, Pecorino, we love you, man. Uh, congratulations on your well-deserved retirement. And we know you're going to be a big part of the Preds organization from here on out. This is not the end. It's just the end of you being between the pipes, but it's not the end of you being involved in the Preds uh, community and the franchise. And so uh, so it's definitely not the end. So, uh, again, this is Episode 56 of the Catfish and Ice Podcast with Chad Minton, Colin Bluen, and Rich Howe. Uh, just reacted to uh, Pecorine's announced retirement. And now we're about to get into what was the main topic of this episode before this major press conference news uh, came up out of the blue last night. And that is the NHL entry draft. It's coming up. It's been pegged as one of the most difficult drafts to ever predict because there's just not a lot of tape out there. Even the best scouts in the world are having a very difficult time, and you're going to see a lot of uh, you're going to see a lot of GMs going with their gut instincts more than normal this year, taking a player who they just feel likes really good, and they're not going off a lot of film to back that up. And so uh, that's what makes this draft very interesting. I can't remember a, a draft where I've been this interested in it on a league-wide uh, level. I'm always interested in who the Preds are going to take, but I've mm-hmm. never been this interested in what's going to happen throughout the first round. Like, normally the first pick is pretty much uh, set in stone, or the top five is pretty set in stone. That's not the case this year. You know, there's a 
I mean, there, there, there's definitely a group of five or six players who you expect to be up there, but there's not a dead set first overall pick in this draft class. And so um, we're, we're about to get into what we think the Preds are going to do, obviously. What's our biggest position of need? Uh, what should Poyle's strategy be? Should he maybe trade up? Is there a player worth trading up for? Is there, um, you know, that that's a big part of it. So who do we think is going to be around at pick 18 if the Preds stick at that spot of uh, the 18th pick in the first round? And so it's worth noting Pecorine was an eighth-round pick. So you can get diamonds in the rough all throughout the draft, and I think it's more true than ever this year because the scouting is not going to be nearly as accurate as it is from other seasons. So you're really going off gut instinct here. And so uh, let let me start it off with this. We'll start with Rich here, and I want to ask you, Rich, and we'll go around the room here. What is the biggest position of need right now for the Preds when it comes to drafting in this first round pick? Forwards, definitely the forwards. forwards. Some shooting forwards who can score. That's their biggest need, I think. Um, they're good in the defense defense part department. I think they just need some scores. And I know, you know, we're not gonna see these guys for a few years, but you know, that's that's the, the biggest need. They they don't need a goaltender. We got Askarov coming in next year probably. Uh, depending on what happens this year with Ingram. Saros is the man now, so I think they need to go after forwards. I'm going to be even more specific than that. I'll say centers. I think we need a true center. Um, I think that's where we've just we've never really had a good pipeline of elite centermen. So, and I, I've got a guy actually that I think I'm really hopeful falls to us. I don't know if he will, but there's a there's a center that's kind of we're in the range of where we're picking that I'm like, please, right. please somehow fall. fall so, to say, us. so we're we're about to get into. So we're going to list some players that we have on our uh, on our list, all three of us. But um, I'm right there with both of you on. Uh, we've got to get some offensive minded. Uh, scores and whether it's a center, whether it's a winger, take the best player available that's at pick 18 when you pick that fits that philosophy. I'm not so worried. Is it a true center or is it just a true winger? Is it a Mm -hmm. versatile player who plays both positions? I'm not so worried about that. We're taking best player available at that position and just going off draft boards and just going off what we're seeing based on the scouts and what they do think is going to happen, there are plenty of players that will be available at pick 18 who fit that style. Now, whether that pick's going to work out, whether you're taking a risk, of course you're taking a risk. You always take a risk. We're going to round out this episode looking back at past draft classes for the Preds, and I can tell you some bad ones. And so we're hoping that doesn't happen now, but – it's going to be really difficult to peg, but I do think that we, we're we all in agreement that it has to be a scoring, offensive-minded player who drives the puck, drives possession, has a really good shot, uh, scouting-wise has a really good shot. Uh, that's what we need. And so let's go to the next question here that I really have written down that, that, that's really important about this draft. Should Poyle explore maybe trading up in this first round? Because he's got some he's got some assets here. He picked up a draft pick. 
through the Victor Arvidsson. He picked up two draft picks in the Victor Arvidsson trade. And so uh, should we explore trading up? Is there a player where you're like, it's worth moving up from pick 18? How do you feel about Uh, that, Colin? Or do you think that's – you think that's – too risky. I don't think it's risky. I think it's if it's an incremental move. Like I don't think it, I don't think like I said, there's a guy that I hope falls to us. But if we had to move up a couple spots to get him, I and we gave up maybe like a fifth round pick for him, I'd be okay with it. Um, that, that's that's kind of how I feel. Is that I don't think that this is the draft where you want to make a big splash to try and get the top five, just because really the only thing we can really judge off of is it's not even just necessarily the tape. It's this year's limited tape compared mm-hmm. to last year's tape to see where they've made the improvements, especially with how your scouts evaluated them last year. And so really that, that that's a hard thing to kind of tell right now. But I think if we were going to, let's say, go from 18, you know, 18, really 17 to 14, <laughs> uh, there, that's a move I would make, especially for the If there's a player you really want, if, there, if there's a yeah. player you're really dead set on, then yes. Uh, yeah, I would say 12, 12, to, 12 to 15 if we're moving into that range, give up maybe a six-round pick to do it, then I'm okay with that. So I don't, I don't know much. Like I, I don't follow the, the entry draft all that much. So what would you have to give up to move up from 18th to like 14th? Like a fifth round? Yeah, a late round pick, honestly. It probably wouldn't take much. Um, I mean, it can't be anything like obscure, really, like very late in the draft. But if you're going to do like a, you know, a fourth round or, you know, fourth round onward, I would say that's probably a reasonable yeah. uh, reasonable get is that you get them yeah. first round pick, four picks later, and, and your draft pick. All you're really, at that point, all you're really looking for is a team that's not set on what's available at their current pick, and they're basically yeah. saying, you know what, we'll move back to pick 18 because we're not really happy with where we're at anyway right now. And if we move back to your spot, four spots, that doesn't really hurt us, and we're gaining a sixth round pick out of it. That's like you're looking for that trade partner. Right. You're looking for that team that fits your needs. And so I'm sure Poyle will be on those on those phones as the draft happens. And if there's a player he's really dead set on, and we're talking about pick 12, pick 13, and Poyle's sitting back at pick 18, he's like, I don't think this player is going to make it the next three or four picks or five picks, and I really want this player, then I could see Poyle doing that. But it also feels like that type of draft where you almost just – stand pat where you're at and uh, you take the best player available that fits your main need. And so that's kind of where, that's kind of why we let it off with that first question about what's the biggest need. Cause we got to figure that out first. Uh, and so I think there's enough talent in this draft. We're all talent to where if that's what your main need is, which is scoring uh, forwards, whether it's a center or a winger, then you should have plenty of, uh, really good players to choose from, but let's get into this. So who stands out in this draft class? We're just going to cover some players that really stand out. And so uh, one of the main, uh, there's a lot of uh, scouts out there. There's a lot of uh, uh, journalists that cover the draft. They specialize in it. Tony Ferrari of Dauber prospects is one of the main sources I use. Uh, He's 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 really worked hard to put out some really good stuff on this really difficult draft class to uh, look at, and so he put out his last draft class ranking on June thirtieth. Uh, he called it the final cut. And again, this is on DiverProspects.com, uh, 
And so, of course, you got the two Michigan boys who are really leading this draft cap class, Owen Power, who a lot of mock drafts have Owen Power going number one. But there's a lot of pushback on that. He is not a consensus number one like Lafreniere was last year. He is not. But there's he's only number six on Dauber prospects uh, draft class ranking. You got Matthew Bernier's, who is a center winger, who a lot of other people, also a Michigan player, who a lot of people have going number one. So it's going to be interesting to see who goes number one and who doesn't. The Preds won't be in play there, so we're not really focusing on the Preds here in that regard. But uh, you got Jesper uh, Wallestead, which is the uh, top goaltender in this class, and a lot of people are saying – he could be a franchise-changing goaltender, just like a lot of people said Iroslav Askarov could be a franchise-changing goaltender. So it's very important to watch where Wallstead goes as the goaltender of the class. So we got to watch that. And so uh, he is a he is a franchise-altering player, according to Tony Ferrari for Dauber Prospects. So we'll have to watch him. And so let's talk about fits for the Preds, though. Assuming they don't trade up, to pick 18 or out of pick 18 and move up. We got to look at some players who we think could fall that far. Right. And so my first player I have, and I think you two, I think Rich and Colin, I think you guys might have this player as well is, uh, is uh, Chaz Lucius, uh, who is a center winger. Uh, He's number 17 on the Dauber prospects uh, ranking board. He is a, Really gifted shooter, according to his scouting report. He's versatile. He can play center or winger. The big thing about uh, about this guy is a very small sample size, just like a lot of the players in this draft. Mm-hmm. And so, do either one of you guys have a uh, have Chaz Lucius in your uh, in your short list of Preds targets? He's number two for me. Number two. Uh, All right. He, he was my number one. Like. Uh, uh, so my number one is the one where, we, where we'd have to reach to get him. My number one for me is uh, it's uh, Cole Sellinger from Sioux yep. Falls, the center. Okay. He's two hundred three pounds. He's two hundred three pounds. Speaking my language tall. right now. He's he's a big he's a big true center and pure score was a one point four eight points per game. But that's and in Sioux Falls, especially with Sioux Falls, that's pretty to stand out on that team is pretty awesome. But yeah. the dude, the, the dude's already a man. That's best, that's the best way to put it. Like. He he has the intangibles that man he could be an immediate impactor possibly in year two at the, at the earliest maybe who knows if we're really bad next and that, year and that's cool. maybe he's and, a year one impact guy and I'm glad you brought up Cole Sillinger because that kind of goes back to our last question we just brought up which was should Poyle explore trading up because to get a that's player like him to get a player like him I think that's one that if Poyle is dead set I gotta have this player he will have to trade up. He is not falling falling to pick eighteen because he's 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 regarded and I have Cole Sillinger written down as well. He's number fourteen on Dauber Prospects uh, draft board. Was supposed to play in the Western Hockey League, but instead ended up playing in the USHL. Forty six points in thirty one games. Twenty four of those were goals. He's possibly the best pure shooter in this draft class. He is my top target for the Preds to stock up with another uh, center because I feel like that's what you have to start building up is at that position is centerman. 
And I know we have Tomasino, but I think Colin, you brought it up. Tomasino is not ready to be a center right now. And I, no. you brought that up, Colin, and I think you were absolutely right about that. And so I, it's a really weak – it's always been a weak position for this team. I don't know what it is about centers in this, in this freaking franchise, but they cannot find long-term reliable centers for their top six. And I, I know that, that Ryan Johansson could come back next season and, and, and be great, but that's a big if. You've got Matt Duchesne. We don't know. We're seeing stories now. Uh, Pierre Lebron came out today and said that there's, there, there's rumors out there that Matt Duchesne's going to be unprotected. So if that ends up happening, you have to wonder, will Seattle take the bait? And so it, let's say they do. That's another center, true center that you lose. And so this is a weak position, let's be honest here. And so Cole Sillinger would be a great pick, but I think you're going to have to maneuver. You're going to have to move up. Yeah. And so I'd be okay with it. If it, if it takes us a fourth-round pick even, even a third, I'd say if we, give, if we slot first and give up a third for him, I'm okay with it just because they're going intangibles. up to third. You're going up to third round pick. That's big. That means you're really, you're we've really taken, believing in this kid. We've never taken, well, I, and I looked up his YouTube tape too. And like the way, the way he plays the game is exactly what we need. A pure score. When I mean, that, that's a lot of hyperbole in that, you know, in, the, in the, the draft report saying he's a pure scorer. But when you watch a tape, he's a pure scorer. I mean, the dude can score yeah. from anywhere. We have not had someone who's as creative, but the size that he is, for his age, I mean, he's already got 20 pounds on uh, Tomasino, and he moves quick, and he's not—he's not a flat-footed, you know, lug by any means. Like he is a—he's a dude, and he can play—he can play hockey really well. And so, I'm gonna—I'm gonna sum for him. That's my guy. Is I, I would say, if we're gonna make a, a move, make the move for that guy. I'm—I'm I'm not shy of giving up a, even a third-round pick for him. Uh, it's just—it's what we need. I mean, we all said we need an offensive winger or center. This guy's it. I love it. If the opportunity's there and you find a team that's willing to 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 make a deal with you and and let's say we get to that pick ten, pick eleven, because I don't think Cylinder's a top ten pick necessarily. No. So if you get to pick ten, pick eleven, pick twelve, and Cylinder's still on the board, that's when Poyle is gonna start thinking, okay, is it time to make a move here? And so, so uh the ten, eleven, and twelve, that would be the Senators, the Blackhawks, and the Flames. That's who they'd have to, to deal with to try to get. I'm, I'm looking at possibly the Flyers in 13 if he falls to 13. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, who knows? You never know. This draft is going to be so unpredictable. But I do think that either way, they've got to, they've got to get a player with offensive upside and a player who brings that bring, – just brings that raw – offensive skill to the table and then you can develop them to be maybe more well-rounded maybe be a better defensive four checker or whatever it is they might be lacking in you're going for you're targeting those players who bring those raw offensive skills to the table already that's what i think the preds have to do here you know i'm gonna and i know they all i know they always chase defensemen and that's that's all well great and good but not this draft. I just don't. I just don't see it. I'm going to go a little step further here. So I said third round pick, right? Uh, Frederick Lard's still on our roster, correct? He's not a UFA, is he? There we go. Still out there. He's still there. 
give them we're up. Not doing any, we're not doing anything with Freddie. Let's give up Freddie. Let's give up maybe a fourth round pick at that point. So you're getting really uh, bold here. We're actually uh, giving up prospects now for the. For, I mean, the thing is, kid. Frederick Freddie is not doing anything. I mean, he's he's just not. I wish he was. I don't. Not. It's not that I like. I don't hate his game, but as far as the team concern is concerned, they don't want him. They don't. They don't. I've got a I've got a prospect or a player in this draft class that's a backup plan if we don't get Sillinger. Another true okay. centerman, another player with high accolades and has a lot of this player I don't think you're gonna have to trade up for. I actually think there's a good chance this this player could be around. Uh Francisco Pinelli. I did not have him. I'm neither. He is uh, so he is um, so right here projects as a yeah so really good really good notes here on this player and another true center and has good size six foot one hundred seventy six pounds hasn't been drafted yet um, played in the OHL but didn't get any games played uh, has time with the Canada Junior team. Um, did play in the OHL in 2019-20, actually. And yeah. so uh, logged 41 uh, points and, and 59 games. And so uh, that that's kind of a backup plan for me is uh, Francisco uh, Pinelli. That's good. Uh, his fan- his, real quick, his fantasy summary here on uh, on Dodger Prospects. Intelligent playmaking center with great great vision and slick hands. Projects as a play driving top six pivot at the NHL lever level if he can add some pace to his game and tighten up his stride. So he's got the he's got the raw skills to possibly be a top six center in the NHL. And so that might be my plan B if we can't get Sillinger. So that's that's another player that's worth being on your radar for the Preds if if all their other top options are gone. Hmm. What I, do you I like have, that Rich? one. I think. Oh, go, go ahead, ahead. Go, go ahead, Colin, and we'll go to Rich. I was gonna. I, I like. I think I like the the fact that his game is you know mentally strong too. I think that's something that can translate because he'll grow and as he grows, he'll gain speed, he'll gain toughness, and all those things too. So, I like the fact that they're really highlighting his mental aspects of his game. I didn't really look into him much, but just reading his report just now, he looks he looks like a good guy. They they yeah. even do a thing on Dauber prospects. Uh, called NHL certainty, and it's a scale of one to ten on how certain it is that. They, that this player will make it to the uh, NHL. And Cole Sillinger has a 5.0 rating, whereas Francisco Pinelli has a 6.5. So take that for what it is. So um, I think he's a good backup plan for the Preds at center, but we're kind of all thinking about players who fit the same mold of offensive-minded centers. Or a winger, if we have to go winger route, but I would prefer a center. Uh, what, what are you thinking, Rich? Do you have a player we haven't named yet on your list? No, no but we I did that. Chaz Lucius was the first guy that I looked at because um, I thought that was kind of in the the realm without having to well, give up too much to, to go. And down that's to. not that's that, that that makes sense because if you if you're doing a yeah. mock draft right now and and it's so hard to do a mock draft this year, but if you're doing a mock yeah. draft this year, then Projecting uh, Chaz Lucius to the uh, Preds at 18 is not a bad yeah. prediction at all. So I, I went to Dodger Prospects, too, and used uh, Nick Richards. Had His list came out in July, like on the 7th or something, and he had Lucius at 14. Okay. Um, 
I was looking at his his numbers. He played in the developmental team for the for the U.S. He had 12 games. So yeah, like he he was in the juniors and then the under 18 team. So in 12 games, he had 18 points, 13 goals, five assists. And then for the under the under 18, he had 13 games, 20 points, was 13 goals and seven assists. And I watched a little bit of video of him on YouTube. He had this really sweet shot that like he passed it to himself between his legs and then and then went backhand and shot it in. It was like, like I liked it. I liked it a lot. <laughs> look, look really cool I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. If we're getting away from centers here, there's one more player I want to name that I'm, I'm like, okay, this player could easily pick to, slip to 18, and that's uh, Matthew Coronado. Uh, he yes. is a uh, yeah. He he, he is he is put he is a smaller player. Uh, he he's pinned down as a winger. Uh, let's get let, let's put out his summary here. Offensively gifted winger with good instincts and a heavy shot, decent speed, but needs to add quickness to his overall game. In order to make the most of, of his abilities at the NHL lever, level, I keep saying lever, I don't know why, level, uh, his NHL certainty is also a 5.0. Um, but again, another player who got a little bit of time last year, he played in the USHL, actually got 51 games in. So this is a player, this is one of those rare players in the draft class that you do actually can look at some tape here. Yeah, and so 51 games, I know it's the USHL. I know it's not one of the top leagues. I get that. But 51 games, uh, put up 80 – is this right? 85 is. points? Yep. 48, 48, goal. 48 goals, 37 assists. I mean, I don't care what league you're playing in. That is that is some domination right there. Yeah. And so he played for the Chicago Steel of the USHL. So, obviously, this kid's got some massive talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and in so, the playoffs, did you see his playoff number? Yeah, I'm looking eight, at it now. Yeah, eight games, nine goals, four assists. That's that's pretty strong. I'll do it. And then, yeah. And then he's uh, so he's he's tied with Harvard University right now for 2021-22. So I'm really interested to see where this guy goes. I would be happy with taking him as well as yeah. another Plan B or a Plan C to um, if some of these centers fall off the board. Uh, Matthew Coronado, another player that needs to be on our radar. And so, um, unless you guys got another again to Harvard too, so that makes him pretty smart. I'll take that all day. Yep, Harvard. Exactly. Harvard so he's really got a good head on his shoulders for sure. I, I, so, I got two others. I got two others. I kind of want to name really quickly here. Listen, just if we can listen, reach listen. one. One more that well, the first one I would say is probably more of the reach is the uh, is uh, Nikita Chiprikov. He's a play in the KHL right now. He's a winger, uh, but you know he, he looks like he's got all the intangibles, especially when you watch his U18 tape when he was playing for Russia. Um, he led pretty much that tournament and dominated, dominated that tournament. So he's one I looked out for. And then Logan Senko from Kamloops in WHL, uh, who also plays center and wing. Um, he's undersized, but we that's never, you know, that's never turned us away before, uh, especially with, you know, the Predators. We have a history of undersized wingers that overperform. So, and he looks like he's got the tenacity to play well. So those are my other two. I think that was all I had. I had a defenseman, but I really I can't see us going defenseman in the first round, unless it's just like a guy that falls to us. I think we have to take that guy. But there's not a lot of defensemen that fit that mold this year, so I can't see yeah. that happening. If that yeah. if the Preds take another defenseman, there's going to be a lot of really ticked off fans. I just feel like coming a lot of armchair <laughs> a lot of armchair GMs are not going to be happy with Poyle. But let's be honest, they're already not happy with Poyle anyway. Yeah, really I, don't, right I don't. I don't. I don't think Poyle can do anything at this point, other than maybe bring Alex Ovechkin here 
to where they're going to be happy with this guy. And Jack, so, Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel yeah, and standing Poyle, back. Poyle, standing is back. Not, Poyle is just not popular in Preds fan circles right now. Take that for what it's worth. But um, but I don't think there's much he can do right now. But if he takes a defenseman in the first round and skips over some more offensive-minded players, then, uh, yeah, that's not going to be a good look, most likely. But uh, we're going to have to wait and see. The draft's going to be really exciting. Like I said, I haven't mm-hmm. – I can't remember a time when I've been this excited about the draft as a whole, seeing how it unfolds for every team, not just the Preds. And so that's going to be really, really interesting. I think so it's 23rd through the 24th is the NHL draft. So it's coming up really quick here. We've got the NHL expansion draft. It's got to happen on uh, July 21st. And so how crazy of a week is that going to be? I mean, you're going to get the – you're going to get the protection. The protection list is going to be revealed on the morning of July 18th. Then That's you've crazy. got th- you've got three days to run around with your hands going crazy and run around like your hair is on fire, uh, talking about, oh my god, we didn't protect him, we didn't protect this guy. And then you're going to find out who you lose. Then you got to shift to the draft, and then you got to shift to free agency on July 28th. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, this is a crazy offseason, and I'm all here for it. But we well, got to buckle up week, for it. Fans got to prepare themselves for some – well, I think some fans will probably be happy about this, but fans got to prepare themselves because I think we see something from Matthew Shane probably probably by midweek next week. Ooh. All Ooh. right. I'm, I'm, there we I'm, go. It's, I, well, unless I, – I just I think – actually, not midweek next week. I think we see it with the next couple of days here. I just think – I think Deshane's an odd man out, and I remember back to everything that we've done in the offseason has fallen right around draft time. When we brought Deshane here, it happened around draft time. P.K. Subban happened around draft time. It's it's one of those things where it's just look out for some news. I think that we're not done with the big splashes just yet. No, yeah, we're definitely not. No. And if Matt Deshane ends up going to Seattle, uh, I will wish the guy nothing but the best. And I actually think he could flourish there if he ends up going there. I think – it could be one of those moves where it benefits both teams, honestly. They got to uh, get to the Cavs. I mean, you can't, you, you, can't, you can't discount Matt Duchesne's talent and no. his ability to make offensive plays and to make other players around him better. Has it not lived up to those uh, standards that we have for him here in Nashville? No, it has not. But there's more things at play that's at play here that's not completely on Matt Duchesne. I've always said that. This is not all on Matt Duchesne that he has not been the player that you want him to be. And so a change of scenery, just like we said about Victor Arvison, a change of scenery might be in tune here. I will say that if Matt – we're not going to turn this into another expansion draft segment because we've already done that so many times. But I will say real real quick before we move on, to uh, the next part of this uh, draft segment here. Before we get into that, I will say, if Matt Duchesne is not the player that goes to the Seattle Kraken, then I am holding firm that it's going to be Colton Sissons. I'm sorry. To me, it's Cal Yarcroak or it's Colton Sissons. Yeah, I mean, it's like who – and I, I don't know. It's pick your poison at that point. But we can talk about that – Later on, we're actually hoping to react to the expansion draft live in a coming episode. So stay tuned for that. We will we'll let you know if we can actually make that happen. But we're hoping 
to uh, get the crew together as the NHL expansion draft is happening, and we will react to it live. So stay tuned for that. We'll let you know about it. And so let's get into – so now I want to look back at some of the most memorable draft classes in Preds history here. And uh, there's been a lot of bad ones, and there's been some good ones. There's a there's a mixed bag here. Um, but you can go back and look at every draft class and who they took. And there, like I said, there's a lot of players they took who never even sniffed the ice. But I've got – I highlighted on my list the draft classes that stood out to me in a good way, in a good way, in a positive way. Other than David Legwan, first pick ever, we'll, we'll skip 98 because really he's the only player worth noting in 98. Uh, 99, Martin Erak got taken in the seventh round. Talk about a really good pick there. Uh, 2000, Scott Hartnell got picked in the first round. 2001 really stood out. Dan Hamuse got mm. taken in the first round. Great pick. And then Jordan Tutu, our guy Jordan Tutu, got taken in the fourth round of all the way back in 2001. So those are kind of the early draft classes. And there's some good picks in there. There's some really good players that kind of started the foundation of the Preds franchise. Uh, Colin, do you want to kind of take us into the next part of that timeline there, maybe? Yeah, so not a lot happened after the, you know, we had, you know, we had ham sandwich in 2001, not a lot happened in 2002, and Scotty Upshaw was a good player, but then 2003 was big for us. Uh, Ryan Suter, who's, who's about to be bought out, <laughs> that's another <laughs> thing we'll get to in a second here, yeah. and Shea Weber, as well as Kevin Klein, who played for us. Yeah, for that was, games, so. I had that highlighted uh, as, I had that highlighted as maybe one of the best overall draft classes they've ever had, honestly. Yeah, 2004 was kind of the, eh, draft, but for one good reason, it's really the shining star because yeah. we got Pecorino out of it. Yeah, we but also got favorite player. We got well, Mike Centarelli, who wasn't bad, and Let's then do a, I was in a red line. So. I'm glad. Oh, I'm so glad. So I want to take a timeout real quick. I don't know if you guys checked out the interview that Poyle did with uh, 104.5 The Zone today. If not, go back and listen to them. You can, you can listen to all their uh, segments on in podcast form. But 104.5 The Zone is the main flagship sports uh, station in Nashville. And uh, Poyle did a really great interview with them. And he talked about the story of drafting Pecorine and how he was scouted. And I, I'm sure a lot of diehard fans have heard this story. But he told the story about how there wasn't a lot of film on Pecorine. And they were going to go watch him play. And it turned out he wasn't the starter for that night. Like they thought he might be. So they had to leave early to go watch him in warm-ups. And they literally, Hoyle literally said in the interview today on 104.5 The Zone that in a lot of ways, we drafted him based off a warm-up session. What a story. And he even even mentioned we got a little lucky there. We got lucky there. So very cool. Eighth-round pick, 258 overall. In the 2004 draft. They don't even have the eighth round anymore. And then we go next to uh, 2005. Uh, I think 2005, we've got one guy, right? And that's yeah, Hornfist. Patrick Hornfist. Yeah. That was I a pretty weak draft. Franson. I thought you were going to say Cody Franson. <laughs> no, it's pretty much Patrick Hornfist, which ended up being a good pick. Another diamond in the rough. Uh, Rich, take us from here. You can start, you can start in the uh, – Really rough 2006 and 2007 stretch where I don't even know 
Then you're, yeah. you're, you're barking up the wrong thing here. Cause yeah, but you can still read them. You can still read these players and know that they didn't make an impact. Nico uh, Snellman? I don't know who uh, that is. I've got I've got one player between 2006 and 2007 that made an impact, and that was Nick Spalling. He had he yeah. made a minor impact, but minor I do remember him. I remember him vaguely, vaguely. But yeah, that was uh, 2006, 2007. That was rough. 437 games. But we get into some really good territory here of drafting. Oh yes, yeah. In the He's next two years, where we can give Poyle some credit here, mm-hmm. especially oh, 2009. Colin Wilson was the first round pick, seventh overall. Roman Yossi was the second round pick. Even Honors Limbach mm-hmm. was taken yeah. seventh round. He ended up being a really good system goaltender. He never really made it long term in the NHL, but he still ended up being a decent pick. Was important for the farm system. Uh, and then, of course, 2009, I think you can argue is the best draft class of all time. And that is yeah. Ryan Ellis in the first round, Craig Smith in the fourth round, Matthias Eckholm in the fourth round. Gabrielle Bork was a really good player for this team. He was. Gabby Bork was. was. And so that's a really – I I wrote it down next to my notes. I said maybe the best draft class in franchise history if yeah. you're going to rank them. I would think probably, yeah. Just looking at I mean, it. Yeah, the, future, the future's left to be written on some of these guys too, so that's kind of tough of course, to, yeah. to say. So. Yeah, I mean, the next year we had Austin Watson and Anthony Potato. So uh, take, that for, take that for what yeah. you would. The guy never, we'll, go ahead, never, we'll go ahead and put 2010 to the side. We'll put 2010 Austin, to the side. Austin Watson. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I, I still like that dude. I yeah, still like he was, on the, he was in the cup winning, you know, or not the cup winning, but the cup contending team. So you got to get was. Him. I mean, he was a good fourth-line player for what he did sometimes. Yeah. I mean, he definitely yeah. laid his body out there. We're not mm-hmm. going to take that away from him. The guy would block and, the – the guy would throw his body in front of some of these wicked shots and, and save goals never saw and put fight. his body on the line. Yeah. You never saw a fight you couldn't win though. <laughs> but yeah. I will say he threw his face in a lot of punches that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that uh, he didn't uh, came on the the wrong end of that. So Anthony Potato had some good moments for us. I mean he wasn't he he's not a top four defenseman, but he was still at least in, the, in our defensive core, but he's still a very good defenseman. So you gotta he was he was he was one of those. I put him in the same category as like a Matt Benning is now for us. Like yeah. you know, he was he was one of those types of players. And then the following year, we have Mika Salamaki, who Salamander, which I hey. know some people, some people some people feel a certain type of way about him. I didn't mind him. I thought I mean he, I didn't he, mind him either. There's a lot of expectations for him, but I think that he wasn't bad for those expectations. I, I agree. Salamaki has a very niche part of the fan base that loves him, yeah. which is pretty funny. But he was he was a good he was a good little scrappy player for us for a little bit. But overall, 2011 was a pretty bad draft class. Uh, 2000, <laughs> 2012, you get Colton Sissons in the second round. You get Pontus Aberg in the first Pontus round. Aberg, yes, he was it was a good playoffs. He was you a cannot good forget that, that cup run. He was a great pick that just didn't stick around for whatever reason around here. And then, yeah. of course, you got Jimmy Jimmy Vesey went in the third round, and so yeah, uh, we'll just leave that people, leave that to the people, side there. People forget Ponce Aberg was in top three in goal scoring in that playoff run. So. He was, and when we needed a guy to step up with all the injuries, he did it. We're getting all right. So I feel like Poyle went on a pretty good run here from like 2008 to where we're at now, where he made some really, really franchise defining picks. 
Uh, we're in 2013 now. He picked Seth Jones fourth overall. Uh, he did get traded, of course, for Ryan Johansson, but it was still a great pick because Seth Jones has proven to be a mm-hmm. top-line defenseman in this league. And then, of course, our new franchise goaltender, UC Soros, went in the fourth round, 99th overall. So he's got a little bit on Pecorino in that regard. He went way sooner in the draft. But, um, yeah, so UC Soros went in 2013. And then in 2014, he took Kevin, F- he took Kevin Fiala which ended up being another high-end quality NHL player, even though he didn't stick around as long as we would have liked. Um, That's a trade I still have a hard time figuring out how I feel about it Mm because it ended up being for Mikel Granlund. And so um, I think if Preds fans could go back on that one, they would have kept Fiala. I'm sorry. But, it's um, like seeing your ex succeed because like he's doing yeah. really well with the Wild. It's it, it, <laughs> and then uh, Victor Arvidsson, our our long lost Victor Arvidsson, who is now with the Los Angeles Kings, he went fourth round in that draft. This episode's getting really sad. It was already sad enough talking about Pecorino. Now we're right. talking about some of our favorite players of all time yeah. when they got drafted here. This episode is is taking a really sad turn here. But uh, Victor Arvidsson went 2014. And then once you get to 2015, I'm sorry, but I don't think you can really put hardcore grades on it yet. That's how long it takes mm-hmm. in hockey. It, it really takes longer than other sports to really understand. We all, we all like Alexander Carrier, though. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Carrier went Samuel in 2015. Gerard. Samuel Gerard is a tough one to lose. Yes. Samuel so. Gerard went in 2016. Uh, back to 15, Trennan went in the second round. He's figuring to be a big part of this team. 2015, the Preds actually did not have a first-round pick, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. But they they got Tom, Thomas Novak. Is he still in the system? Novak? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you got Thomas Novak, um, Anthony Richard, which has been a pretty key part of that Milwaukee Admirals team that just hasn't been able to get to the NHL level. And then, of course, Carrier. Uh, 2016, Dante Fabro went in the first round at 17th overall. The the jury is still out on him. I still have all the confidence in the world in him. And I think the Preds are going to protect five defensemen this expansion draft because they have all the confidence in the world in him. Uh, that's just me. But uh, Fabro went first round 2016. Samuel Gerard, of course, who ended up Gerard, who ended up going to the Avalanche. Uh, Rem Pitlick went in that 2016 draft. And uh, Freddie Allard, who we just talked about, who we're not so sure of. And then 2017 was the Ellie Tolvanen pick, which at the time, Preds were 30th pick overall. So they were way back in the first round. And everyone was saying Ellie Tolvanen was a huge steal at that pick. And now it's looking like he's a top six type of player. So we, we don't want to jump on it hardcore yet. But it's looking like that was a good pick by Poyle. Let's be caution to the wind here, but it's looking like that right now where we sit. Uh, David Ferentz also went in that draft, third overall pick. Other than that, that draft class, not seeing a whole lot. Uh, 2018, can we just go ahead and pretend like 2018 didn't happen? Scrap it, yeah. No, that was, no. Four <laughs> picks. They had four picks in that draft, and we don't even need to name the players. And they were in the top three rounds. So, <laughs> so back, to, back to 2017, that Vamaka, that goaltender, he's still in the system. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, now we're current times where you really can't say yet 
but it's promising. It's looking good. And yes. if you look at all the prospect pool rankings among the major sites that rank the, the prospect pools among the NHL, the Preds are now widely regarded as a top half of the league prospect pool. We got some good guys, that, especially during the team draft. They're kind of in that 10 to 15 range in terms of prospect pools. Where if we went if we went back to 2018 and, and looked at those prospect rankings, we were like bottom of the league. I remember seeing them. It was pretty dark. So Poyle's making some good moves here. So at least on the surface, Poyle's made some really good draft picks here recently with and Phil Tomasino. I mean, that's the thing is the 2019 draft. I don't think we're going to see anybody from 2020 uh, next year, but 2019, we got some guys that we might be seeing, and, and that could be really interesting. I'm really excited to see Igor uh, Afanasyev in Milwaukee. Yeah. I uh, I really want to see this guy play because he's a big bodied player who could end up playing center in the future. You look at, you, look at these you got Tomasino, Afanasyev, Chistikov. Chistikov. Marcin, this could turn out to be like a really good And all four, of those, all four of those players have excelled mm-hmm. in other leagues since being drafted. All four of those players have validated Poyle's pick. So yes. we, we, we can't – you have to feel really good about those four picks in 2019. And, of course, 2020 – we don't know yet, but Escarov, but we got a guy, feel, Escarov, we got a guy named, feel good about it, of course. We got a guy named Evangelista. Go. I mean, Luke Evangelista has got a lot of really good accolades right now. A lot of people are excited about this guy as a winger. They can hopefully say, flourish and jump his up. His name is this Gunner Wolf Fontaine. That's I mean, yes. He well, he's, got a, he's got a he great will. name. Now he has to back up his great name. He does. Well, his sister is also incredible too. Apparently, his sister and him both played in the NCAA tournament. And they both had great tournaments. So, this knows? was also the they they made a bunch of jokes about all the Lukes that they drafted. Yeah, yeah three, <laughs> three of them in there. So, but, so and then, uh, yeah, and then uh, kind of as well when they got here. We just took a, we just took a long journey down Preds history drafting. I think it's a mixed bag of really bad and really good. So let's hope. Fingers crossed it's not a 2018 type of draft class, and it's more or less a 2009 draft class because <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at on it. And so, uh, yeah, we got the NHL draft coming soon. We got uh, Colin sipping some good bourbon and salute to Pecorine. Yes. And Pecorine was an eighth-round pick. Why can't we find another eighth – well, not eighth round, I guess, but another another late-round Diamond in the rough, it could definitely happen. And so uh, we're excited about that. Let's round out episode 56 of the Catfish and Ice podcast, brought to you by DraftKings. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, play the Daily Fantasy, get a free credit on your first bet if you use our promo code THPN to play some Daily Fantasy. Go to uh, DraftKings.com for more details on that. So we are part of the Hockey Podcast Network, and to round out episode 56 – I cannot believe we're already at 56 episodes, by the way. It's been a, mm-hmm. it's been so much fun, and we've got a really fun season in store. We love bringing the podcast to all of our listeners, and we appreciate all of you. And so uh, let's get into some quick hitters to round out this episode because a lot happened in this past week. For being the quote-unquote off season, 
there was a lot that happened this past mm-hmm. week in between recordings of our episodes. Let's throw this one out here first. Duncan McKeith got sent to the uh, Edmonton Oilers, and the Edmonton Oilers are the butt of a lot of jokes right now because apparently they got fleeced. I don't know what they were. I don't know what they were thinking. Like, and this is this is not necessarily a knock on Duncan Keith, but I don't okay, know what they were. They sent a younger player who could still have a good future ahead of him for Duncan Keith, who I'm sorry, the book's written on him. Chicago's got to be feeling really good about it, and I just yeah. I didn't understand the trade at all. <clears throat> I mean, Chicago just shed a lot of money too, because that's eleven million dollars that they didn't. I think that's where the fleecing comes from. It's not necessarily they got Caleb Jones, good pick. They got a third round pick, I believe, as well. But they aren't having to keep any of that eleven million dollars, which means yeah. they now have three, not two, but three eleven million dollars dollar players on that team alone. That to me is insane. And yes. the fact that Chicago got a pick, a good player, and now has so much cap room to spend money. Chicago's yeah, in a good spot. Right? Chicago's in a yeah. very powerful spot right now to make some moves and you know what let's give as much as we don't like chicago and they are a rival they are in my top three teams of most hated teams but i gotta give respect when respect is due and they are playing ever since the trade deadline they have played things they played the long game they're playing the long game they realized they weren't going anywhere when they the preds kind of sent them that final blow in the regular season, where they <laughs> well, were like, say. where they were like, okay, we're probably not going to make the playoffs, and even if we do, we're not going anywhere. And they sold off; they really did. They kind of like said, we're looking to the future, and now they're in this really good, powerful spot this off season, and they've got some yeah. good young talent on their roster. I was going to say, just to kind of come full circle with this, a lot of our our rivals wish Pecorino well, talked about how good it was to compete against him. The one team that really stood out to me that didn't say a word about Pecorino today, oh, and yeah. you can you can you can say it's all about Duncan Keith all you want, but they they could not even mention a tweet. They cannot say a word about Pecorino. It's because Pecorino was a noble Blackhawk killer. Swept yeah. him. He even called. He, well, he even mentioned it in his letter, yeah. and then he scored a goal against him. <laughs> so yeah, they're still they're still bitter about it. They can stay bitter, but props to them for this trade. I think the oil. Yeah, we'll paid, give them that. They're, they're counting on his uh, veteran leadership, and I read today that. He said somebody quote I don't know if it was a quote or whatever, but he said that he was ready to leave Chicago and they were kind of ready for him to go. So maybe so maybe it'll I will I will say I will I will say so there was that emotional connection to it too because yeah. his son is in Canada, his family's in Canada, and so he actually asked to be traded to a Canadian team so he wouldn't have to quarantine as much because he couldn't see he didn't see his son and his family for eighty days. So and I, this I, definitely, is, yeah. and again, I definitely get that. But yeah, we're not bashing. We're not bashing Duncan Keith here at all. Yeah. Like the fact that just, the fact that Chicago doesn't have to, they don't have to retain any salary. That's yeah, blows my mind. Yeah, the eleven million dollars. We're just, we're just saying the business part of it doesn't make sense, or at least to me it doesn't. But we'll see yeah, what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I think it's a good yeah. move for Chicago. Um, Rich, Rich, another big news item here. Former Preds alum, a player that's not very popular among Preds fans, Ryan Suter got oh, bought yeah. out. By the Minnesota Wild. You want to talk about a massive story to drop on the day that Pecorine announces his retirement? It's it's Ryan Suter and Zach Parise both getting bought out by the Minnesota Wild. What a crazy move that I didn't see coming. Rich, what's your first thoughts on that? 
Well, I, I looked at it and like, it's the same situation we have with Kyle Terrace having to pay him for a bunch of years, but it's That's double. And it's like, let's say it's 14 million. <laughs> like they're going to get, they're going to get, uh, you know, a, a bump next year. Cause they're not going to have that. But then once the rest of that kicks in, it's like, you're losing a whole player. Yeah. How much like, they're taking a huge risk there. They're ta- I mean, what does that say about Ryan Suter? I feel like Ryan Suter. Yeah. Okay. I'll put, I'll put aside the dislike I have for him as a Preds fan, but as a player, objectively speaking, He's still got a lot of good offensive qualities mm-hmm. as a defenseman. He's still definitely a top four defenseman. If he's not on the top line, he's definitely on your second line. And so for the mm-hmm. Minnesota Wild to just buy him out and say, we're done, that is a huge uh, shocker to me. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. see that coming. I couldn't believe seeing that. I saw that in the middle of reacting and crying to Pecorine and I saw that and I was like, I was still crying, but like, Oh my God, that's amazing. And like still crying. Like, but, um, but yeah, that's how that's this, uh, this NHL off season is just, I mean, where do you start? Like just so crazy. I'm going to make a bold prediction that he is the captain of the Seattle Kraken by next year. Ooh. Ooh. There you go. That's a good, I don't like him. I think he's a jerk, jerk, but I think he's going to be the captain for the Seattle Kraken next year. All right. They will. They may not have a captain. We'll see. We'll see. And real quick, before we go to our last quick hitter, and then we're going to round out episode 56, uh, you brought up all the teams giving credit to Pecorino and all the classiness you saw around the league. And there was a lot of that today because that's what you do for a player like Pecorino. But I want to give special attention to the Dallas Stars for putting out what they put out. I got chills down my spine when they put out. Uh, their tweet saying, uh, respect is far greater than a rivalry. Congrats on an incredible career, Pekka, and best of luck in retirement. It's gotten over 2,500 likes on Twitter. And if you look through the comments, there's a lot of Dallas, classy Dallas Stars fans in there saying, you know what? You are a pain to play against. We respect you. Um, there's yeah. always going to be trolls mixed in there. But for the most part, Dallas Stars fans respect it. Of course, y'all all know my roommate's a diehard Dallas Stars fan. He knows how big of a deal Pecorino is. He said the same thing to me. He was like, man, he was like, Pecorino, I can hate this Nashville Predators all I want, but I respect the hell out of Pecorino. And so um, that just goes to show you how special of a player Pecorino is. Joe Pavelski came out, and the Dallas Stars retweeted it. Congrats to Pecorino on an unbelievable career. Had so much fun battling him over the years. And that is a really cool pick, by the way, too, of the Winter Classic. So go look up that because that's pretty cool. I'm actually going to throw a retweet on that because that's a pretty cool pick. But, um, but yeah, so it goes across the whole league. Pecorine, everyone respects this guy, of course. And so let's go Let's go to the other side of the coin. And that is um, – <laughs> so, of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. I knew you were going to bring this up. Well, we have to end it with this. Are we gonna, a good episode? Come on, man. We're going to – Come on. Well, I'm not, I'm not giving him credit. I'm just saying, like – so Nikita Kucherov uh, is acting like a, a frat boy out there, uh, pouring beer mm-hmm. on reporters, uh, talking crap to the other team. And mm-hmm. I get that it's not classy. I get that it's not likable. I get that if I had a son and I was raising him, I wouldn't be like, hey, I want you to act like that guy. No, no I would no, never do that. Don't but act we like need villains. No, no. But can I just play devil's advocate here? The sport needs no. villains. The sport needs players who who – draw TV ratings. He didn't say anything personal about anybody. He didn't call anybody a name. Yes, he's acting like a douchebag. Yes, he's cocky as hell. 
and he is one of the arguably top 10, top 15 players in the league. So uh, if anything, it draws headlines. Um, it was pretty funny that he poured the beer on top of the reporter's head and he was partying on a boat. Uh, I'm yeah. kind of sick of Tampa. They the cup. Uh, I'm yeah, tired cup, of yeah, – yeah, that's the bigger problem. But I'm sick of Tampa getting these boat parades, winning championships between Tom Brady and freaking mm. Kucherov. And I'm mm. sick of it. Like, guys, you've had your fun. I hope you lose every game next year. I hope the Buccaneers go 0-16. I'm actually going to Tampa at the end of the, week, at the, end of the month on vacation. And uh, I'm going to drop my Preds gear in yeah. the airport. And um, I hope, I hope they don't get a lot of crap for it. But um, I'm, I'm going to rock it. I'm going to just remind everyone of March 15th when Pecorine stonewalled y'all for 38 saves. Yeah, here's That's what, all I'm going to bring up. Here's what I don't like about Nikita Kucherov. I, I mean, he is obviously a very awesome player. He did well in the playoffs. He did nothing to get that team to where they were this season. That's a very good point. Nothing. That's I can't argue with that. And and dissing Mark Andre Fleury, not a that goal. was not cool. That no, was not cool. No. And then Dan, that's the worst of that's the worst. But he was thing. also he was also he. I also think not to make it an excuse, but I also think there was a lot of alcohol involved. And he's there now was. the new Bud Light sponsor, which Bud Light's one of the pissiest beers out there, so that kind of fits too. But um, but uh. uh I can't wait to see the Vegas Golden Knights and the Tampa Bay Lightning play next season. I can tell you that. And you know he's going to be headhunted. And I'm not condoning headhunting. I'm not saying someone should go out and intentionally like hurt hurt him. But he's going to be he's going to be on bulletin board material for saying the things he said. Do you think hockey players forget? No. Vegas Golden Knights are going to be coming after him. Montreal Canadiens. Oh, the things he said about the Canadians fans about how saying um, oh their cup was the their cup was the last series. I mean, he mm-hmm. said a lot of bulletin board type of stuff, and hockey players don't forget. I don't enjoy seeing players get headhunted. <laughs> but for him, I wouldn't not not enjoy it. Well, he's going way. to. He welcomed so. it. He put himself <laughs> yeah. out there. So, and they you know, that's going to be, that's gonna be played on every clip and every TV whenever the, the lightning play – the Canadians next season or whenever they play the Golden Knights. Um, and he did – the one thing I will say I did appreciate about it, he could have done it in a way more classy way. But I do appreciate him sticking up for his goaltender when it comes to he, – he could have done it without being – he could have done it without being a douchebag and being disrespectful to one of the all-time greats, which is Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm right there with you there. But I do, I do respect that he is boasting up his own teammate in Vasilevsky. Uh, I do, I do appreciate that. I just think he's that type of guy, and I'm not saying you have to like him or anything no. like that. I'm just saying that's, that's who he is, and we all need villains. We all need villains, and he yeah. he is definitely taking on on the villain role. So we'll 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 take that. But that made news as well, and oh, so the man. Lightning had their their victors of spoils. They had their little boat parade, and I'm over it. I'm done with Tampa yeah. winning stuff in all sports. Even the Tampa Bay Rays in baseball are good. It's like, can you guys be – can you all suck at something? Yeah. Like, seriously. I need well, – I need – I was just going to say they were all wearing those – their shirts that said 18 million over the cap. I'm like, yeah, just they were embracing it. yeah, they were embracing it. Yeah, they were embracing it. I need the Tampa Bay Rays to go ahead and relocate to Nashville as the newest MLB team. 
And we've already got a really good stadium site we're going to build for y'all. Go ahead and come here to Nashville. Don't stay in Tampa anymore. Um, come on to Nashville. We got a nice ballpark right next to Nissan Stadium. It'll be right on the river. Go ahead and make it happen. We've already got a name and everything. We got a we've got a we've got a business owners ready to to start it. Go ahead and make it happen. Let's get a baseball team to Nashville. We'll take that Tampa Bay Rays team off your hands because you're too busy winning in every other sport. You don't need the Tampa Bay Rays. Give us a break. Yeah, Let's Nashville can have. What'd you say, Carl? Well, they still have a basketball team. Yeah, they had the Raptors kind of, but they don't. Uh, they, they had the they had the Raptors kind of, but they didn't do they didn't play well. So, yeah. which reminds me, of my my weekly reminder: Suns in five. Let's go with that. We're going to five. That well, that's on tomorrow night, right? Yep. Yep. Suns. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we are. So yeah, we're the official podcast of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, we're the only hockey podcast that's probably the podcast of the Phoenix Suns, other than uh, Sporty and Richie, which is another fellow podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network that covers the Coyotes. Of course, they are Phoenix Suns all the way. But we are also fully supportive of Rally the Valley for our, our uh, buddy Colin on the podcast okay. here. And uh, so we're pulling for the Suns. They had a rough game there in game three, but um, I we still think it. they're going to be we okay. Yeah. Got to get with I mean, it's hard. Uh, Giannis Anacumbo finally made some free throws. So there you have it. Yeah. That's my cutting edge uh, analysis is uh, Giannis free throws, and that's why they won. I'll be here all week on my NBA coverage. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, so it's been a a really fun Catalyst episode here, episode 56. We appreciate everyone watching the live stream. And if you download the podcast the next day and you're listening – we appreciate you as well. Please give us a review mm-hmm. on the podcast platform you're listening to. Even if you don't like us, let us know why. Uh, give us a rating. Let us know how you feel about the podcast. Like I said, we appreciate you a lot. And uh, so let's look. We'll be back next Monday. And that I'm looking at the calendar right now. So next Monday will be just in time right before. We'll, we'll know the protection list mm-hmm. yep. when we come back to you in the next episode. So, uh, yeah, no shortage of storylines for the next episode of the Catfish Nice Podcast. So thanks a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Catfish Ice. This is Chad Mitten with Colin Bloon and Rich Howe. We hope everyone has a great rest of your week. Uh, again, Pekka forever. Pekka Arena, we love you. Uh, we can't wait to see you in Bridgestone Arena throwing that rally towel. Cheers to you. And until then, we will see everyone next week on the brand new episode, episode 57. Until then, everyone stay safe and take care. See you.